Welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm so honored to have Greg Siegel with us. How are you today, sir? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming. And well, let me just give a little intro, and then I'm going to ask you some amazing questions um, about this project that you had. You are a photographer, um, trained in California and some other things, but you have education background and dramatic writing. And your book called The Daily Bread, which is, you know, I'll let you explain the project, really caught my eye. And I think it'll really um, be of an interest to the audience that we serve here. So can you tell us a little bit about the project and what was sure. your motivation? Yeah, I, well, a few years ago, I did a project called Seven Days of Garbage. And I asked family and friends and neighbors and anyone I could, I could convince to save their garbage for one week and then lie down and be photographed in it. Um, the idea was, of course, to, to bring our collective attention onto what we use and throw away. And I was really struck by the amount of, of packaging, of food packaging in our waste. Um, and I started to think, well, you know, how is this revolution in the way that food is, is produced and consumed? How is that impacting our diets? Um, and so I thought it might be useful to, sorry about that beeping sound. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I thought it would be useful to, um, to look more closely at diet because I think it's only been in the last, you know, generation or two that we've been, we've become completely dependent on the industries of eating and cooking. Um, and as a result, we sort of have lost focus or lost track of, of what it is that we're eating. We don't really think about what we're eating so much because often we're not the ones making our food, right? Right, absolutely. So, so I thought, well, why, why don't I kind of do this project to, to bring our focus back onto food in a meaningful way, which will allow us to, to take control of our diets? Hmm. And... Um, I thought, what if, what if I asked people to, to keep a journal of everything that they ate and drink for one week, um, and I decided to focus on kids because, you know, eating habits form when we're young, you know, and they last a lifetime. So if you don't get it right by the time you're nine or 10 years old, it's much more difficult, I think, to, to adapt and change as you get older. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just started with my son, who is now 12, He's kind of my guinea pig for projects that I do. Um, and I photographed Hank and then friends of his from school. And I gradually expanded to, to other neighborhoods in Los Angeles. And it sort of quickly be, became clear to me that the story I wanted to tell about diet was at least in part about how globalization has impacted diet all over the world. And so I did a Kickstarter, which raised enough money to get me to India and Malaysia. And I came back from there with, with a body of work that I, that I shared with Time Magazine and Geo Magazine in Germany. And they were excited about getting involved and they helped fund shoots in, in Germany and Africa. Um, so this, it, it could have just expanded exponentially. And I, I shot in Europe and Africa, and then I went to Brazil and the Middle East as well. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I would love to have gone to more places, but it was just expensive to, as you can imagine. That's an, an enormous project because I was reading on some of the other articles that you've done about the, the you had to be 13 feet above the subject, or at least well, the yeah, ceiling. The feet. camera is attached to a pole that is suspended by two big light stands. 
And that camera is directly overhead of the subject. And the idea, the reason for that is it gives you a kind of clear bird's eye perspective that shows clearly what what you're eating. And I think it sort of, it registers more clearly with people when they see a week's worth of food. Right. All in one photograph. It reminds me there was, um, I can't recall who did it, but there were photographs of entire families and what yeah, they ate. Yeah, that, those pictures, I think that was Peter Menzel. Okay. And um, that's something that I became aware of in the process of doing this project. Everyone mentions that project. It's kind yeah, of absolutely. a body of work. Um, and I think it's, that's a terrific um, piece as well. I, I my my only grievance with it with it was that it wasn't aesthetically that interesting because it was just sort of the family standing there and the food there. I mean, as sociology, it's great. Right. Um, anyway, well, so that's, that's what I liked about your pictures, right? Because exactly, they appealed to the eye and it drew you in. I think also not only just the food, but the character of the child. <laughs> right. And well, that's the idea. Is that was fun. Draw you in on on an aesthetic level, and then once you're engaged to kind of get you to think more deeply about the content of the pictures and diet specifically. Interesting. Yeah, that was fascinating because I really, I found another quote you had mentioned, you know, we've outsourced the most vital ingredient and you called it the connective tissue of family and culture, which is so very true. And um, I was curious, what was, was there one child or one country that really stood out to you and changed you or had an impact on your own life? You know, there, there were a number of lessons that I took away from the project. One of them being that it's surprisingly, to me anyway, not always the the rich people who are eating the best, most nutritious foods. It's sometimes poor people. Mm-hmm. And when I was in India, I found um, uh, one girl in particular um, whose father earned less than five dollars a day, and yet, you know, the girl uh, was was eating a pretty wholesome diet of okra and cauliflower curries and lentils, which are very nutritious, as we know, um, and homemade roti. I mean, even the roti, you know, is, is not filled with a bunch of words that you can't pronounce. It's made <laughs> from scratch on the floor of this hut with one kerosene burner. Wow. You know, and, and of course, here in the U.S., the biggest consumers of junk food are generally poorer people because it's cheap and convenient. But in India, where I was, you know, a medium Domino's pizza was 13 bucks. And this girl, whose name is Anshal, her father would have to work, I think, three days to buy one Domino's pizza. Amazing. Wow. So yet he was able to feed his family a very healthy meal under $5 a day with his income. Wow. You know, I had a similar experience. I went to Uganda for a mission trip um, as a physician, and we ate everything that they could grow and uh-huh. what was that was so amazing for two weeks and there was no refrigeration there was no electricity you know there's no that's running water yeah. that, that's <laughs> almost in, in a certain way there's a silver lining to having no refrigeration because right. you can only eat what's available right then as opposed to filling your freezer with a bunch of packaged foods that are filled with junk <laughs> right exactly i will say though i did bring in some barbecue sauce and we made a jack uh, jackfruit pool kind of a they loved it <laughs> exactly yeah. they'd never had the barbecue sauce I'm, I'm bringing my little processed food over to them oh, yeah. that was um yeah go ahead. Interesting. are you familiar with the cambridge study that was done no okay well cambridge university conducted a an exhaustive study where they ranked diets around the world 
from least to most nutritional. Mm. And nine of the healthiest countries, nine of the 10 healthiest countries are in Africa. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, at, at first thought, you're kind of surprised. Well, wait, wait, you know, again, these are among some of the poorest countries in the world, and yet they have the most nutritional diets. Why is that? Well, when you look at what they're eating, it makes sense. I mean, you know, fish, fruit, vegetables, legumes, nuts, grains, seeds, and, and very little meat. Mm-hmm. Meat is kind of used as seasoning and, and almost no processed junk food. Right. Absolutely. It's interesting. So as you've come along and you've, you're mm-hmm. photographing and you're seeing these amazing stories of each child in each of each country, and you're getting, you're going to share these with us. What was your hope that it would, what would be your hope for individuals who are looking at your book? Like what, okay. what's the frame well, of mind? Photography is, is an exchange. It's a process mm-hmm. of reflection, um, not only for the subject of the picture, but the viewer as well. Mm-hmm. And that extends, of course, not only to um, to viewers like you, but to parents. And right. the parents of the kids I photographed were often really surprised because they didn't they weren't fully cognizant of what their kids were, were eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was when I was shooting in India, I had a, a father standing over my shoulder looking at the pictures as they came up on my laptop while I was shooting. And he, you know, he kind of shook his head and he said, cannot believe Advita is eating all that junk. I'm going to have a talk with her mother. You know? <laughs> and I had, I had, remember, a, a mother in Los Angeles, a single mom, who took one look at all the junk food in her daughter's diet and immediately blamed her ex-husband. You know, and except for that bowl of broccoli. That, that was the <laughs> night she was home with me. You know? <laughs> so I have parents, you know, who are blaming each other mm. all over the world for... Right. <laughs> which, right. Which, you know, which tells me that the project is, is working. Right. Because it's starting a conversation. Exactly. And it's people to think more deeply about what they're eating. As you were talking about that, exactly my, that thought came to me was it stimulated conversation because I know that's what it did in our household. And we're healthy eaters. You know, all three of my, my children are grown now and mm. my husband and others, they're all um, very healthy eaters. But yeah. that's because that process actually started about eight years ago and that when they were teenagers. Horrible time to switch their diet, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they were eating fairly well. But um, what an interesting um, conversation. But it's a pauper's diet. I mean, that's what they call a healthiest diet. Is, you know, we should be eating like paupers and not kings. And, okay. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I like exactly. that. I'll borrow that. Pauper's borrow, diet. please. Because I'm going to be borrowing a few of your quotes that I've read. So, <laughs> you know, I really... Yeah. <clears throat> the one in particular that I really enjoy, besides the connected tissue of family and culture, <clears throat> excuse me, is slow food never replaced by junk food. Okay. And that's what we were in search of. And I thought that was so telling. And um, when you look at what you describe as slow food, you know, you Mm -hmm. mentioned everything here. Did that change your perspective? You said you're a parent and you had a child, a similar age. Well, we have, we're, you know, like you are pretty healthy eaters. Um, But even my wife and I were a little surprised when we saw Hank's food. And um, we, we thought to ourselves, well, wasn't there at least another bowl of pea soup in there, you know, more green? <laughs> and that, that was another kind of thing that I was kind of shocked by when I did this project is just the, the sheer dearth of vegetables and what most kids are eating around the world. Wow. And, you know, having done some research, I was, I was really shocked to find that only 1% of our calories come from, from vegetables in the U.S., 
Yeah. And a lot of those are French fries and different things. I mean, it, it, right, it, right. the problem is so vast, you know, mm-hmm. with school lunches and yeah. what we're buying our children and subsidies and oh, it's overwhelming. Did you, did you find now that when people are asking you about your project, do you give them any advice? Um, well, I mean, I, yes. I mean, I try to, and I, I always try to direct the project to kids and hope that kids are, are, you know, are, are looking at the pictures and I, yeah. I, I ask them real simple questions like, well, how many of the foods you're eating come from the farm or from a garden and how many of the foods you're eating are processed packaged foods mm. and of the processed packaged foods, how many ingredients are, are in the foods? Oh, that's and, and yeah. And, and how many of those ingredients can you pronounce? <laughs> and I always say, if, if try to avoid foods that have more than five ingredients and especially avoid foods that have ingredients you can't pronounce. Absolutely. Those are. And, you know, one, one simple rule of thumb is don't eat any food that has a commercial, <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe not going to get me any, any corporate sponsors. <laughs> well, Big Broccoli doesn't have a commercial. <laughs> yeah. And then that's another thing I ask is, is how many colors are in your food? And that's a good exercise for little, little kids. I mean, it's yes. fun. It's, it's interactive. It's engaging. You know, and I say, if your foods are all, you know, white, yellow, brown, then you're not getting enough nutrient. You know, Absolutely. So you should have a rainbow of colors in, in your foods. Eat the rainbow. I've said that so many times. I'd probably uh-huh. be a millionaire by now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I, I wrote a, a handout too on helping parents because I think, you know, like you said, you know, we've we've basically outsourced. I consider it, we've been hijacked, right? So they hijacked our taste buds and then we mm-hmm. are drawn to who's ever producing these foods. And we don't teach kids how to cook anymore and we're not in the kitchen. So that was one of my focuses is, you know, one, make it fun, but also teaching parents, like you got to get in the kitchen with the kids. And yes, it's time consuming, but it's so worth it. If you look uh-huh. at the long drawn out effects and chronic disease and yeah. 80% of it could be actually avoided. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, as I think, far, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no please. <laughs> please go ahead. Um, no, I just had a thought and I, I kind of went in and out of my mind. But um, uh, what were you just saying about go, go back one, one little? Yeah, the 80% of the mm-hmm. chronic disease could be avoided. And so right. it was really important for me to help because I think kids are almost pushed aside and because they're not, mm-hmm. you know, like adults who right. have diabetes right. or chronic disease. Yeah. And I think, you know, often if you give kids the choice from a young age, they're going to choose, you know, salt, fat, and sugar over leafy greens because salt, fat, and sugar go back to, you know, our our deepest primal cravings, right. That go back to the caveman days. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you, if you don't introduce the the whipped cream frappuccinos (laughs) (laughs) at age eight, right. Then a little sauteed spinach with salt and butter, um, isn't, isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I remember there was a, I had one patient who came in as a two-year-old well visit and the little one was eating Cheetos and mom was letting them sip their Dr. Pepper. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. first of all, you shouldn't be eating that, but bringing it to the doctors, there's just no, it's so normal and accepted. Um, right. it's the cultural shift in the belief system we have to change. Do yeah. you have, um, Speaking of healthy, I always like mm-hmm. to talk about recipes. Do you have a, a favorite meal that you and your family like that you like to share that 
maybe our um, audience would like to. Well, I, we eat all kinds of foods, and my wife is a really great cook, and she makes Indian food and you know mm. foods from all over the world. And my son is into making his own lunch, and he makes soba noodles and and so nice. forth, and and his own little um, like uh, bento boxes. Nice, uh, very we have good. International diet. But uh, I'm, for me personally, I, when it's lunchtime, I just I go in and, and just throw whatever I find into a bowl and mix it together as salad. <laughs> like, you know, whether it's uh, black-eyed peas and and uh, you know some avocado and tomato and cucumber and mm-hmm. make my own dressing. You know, it's it's yeah. sort of, it's satisfying to just do it yourself as opposed to relying on on someone else to feed you <laughs> absolutely it's almost like a buddha bowl i it's easy no, for yeah, okay. yeah. families to put suggestions it too because yeah um i'm actually doing a, a launch for the book in in new york at powerhouse books next week and then i'm, I'm doing a talk at, at princeton um the week after wonderful so, um, and there are always questions afterwards so i, I like to have as, many, as much ammunition Oh, well, I can give you everything you could possibly need. Okay, that's great. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, We just had our, um, two of my partners that we created the Healthy Human Revolution, Anthony lost 160 pounds and has kept it off for about 13 years now. And Jason is also a photographer, by the way, um, lost 120 pounds and just did the Leadville 100. It's a 100-mile race over the, the highest um elevated or elevation of city in the u.s no these were friends um that i met um three two three years ago we really felt compelled to bring more stories and resources to people to help them change and we just had our first conference um Mm -hmm. last weekend so um it was really fun to help people transition because i can tell you what to eat as a doctor it's like eat your fruits and vegetables but how Mm -hmm. to do it that's the key in sustaining it so because I'm not getting the nine and 10 year olds, I'm getting the six year olds with type two diabetes and hypertension and heart disease. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I needed, we needed- about that boy in England who went blind from- No. Yeah, it was just on the news, all over the news. Oh, wow. An English teenager was eating only French fries, Pringles, white bread. I mean, that, he just wouldn't eat, he didn't like the textures of other foods. And he lost his sight. He literally lost his vision. Oh my goodness. I'm not, not getting any nutrient or vitamin in his diet at all. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. I will definitely be looking that up. I wonder if that's, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not I don't. Bum you out, but you know. No, well, it, it's sad, right? Because I know when I was growing up, um, it was very rare to see, you know, there was occasional children that were obese. Right. Um, but now we're look. you go to your kids and it's not uncommon to see, you know, I think it's around 20% of Americans' children are overweight or obese yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think I, I just read that 75% of adults are either overweight or obese. Yes. And so, a third of Americans are either pre-diabetic or diabetic. Um, right. Most of them don't know it. Um, kidney disease is on the rise. And, you know, just watching the presidential debates last mm-hmm. night, and there's all this discussion about, well, who's going to pay for health care? And to me, the question should be, why are we sick to begin with? And the answer is staring us in the face three times a day, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes, it's literally on the end of your fork. And that's when I start this conversation with patients. It's like, what's on the end of your fork can literally change your life. Like, you can reverse type 2 diabetes. I mean, and it happens quick. When, when they do what I ask and I encourage them, um, it's amazing. And it's so much fun to see people. Because we, I think chronic disease has become a cultural norm. 
right? Yeah. So we're used to not feeling well and sick. And if you're not taking a pill by the, and you're in your fifties, you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but it can really radically change someone's life and you can just have a reawakening. Um, it's, it's amazing to watch that happen in people's lives. And that's part of the motivation to do this type of thing and share people's work like you, because maybe there's something visually in that book that's going to really impact someone's life and allow them like, you know, we really need to clean up our diet and because mm-hmm. that, that's just the start. And so it's so important, the work that you're doing, because I think it's the visual art. My, my youngest one is also a photographer, videographer. He's oh, ma- yeah. That's his major in, in a, at CU. He, and he is. He's a junior now. Uh-huh. Oh, where? And at University of Colorado in Boulder. Okay, studying photography. Yeah, and uh, film. And so it's really fun to see, you know, young people getting involved and interested. And so mm-hmm. they come from not only health, but also from the standpoint of environment. And mm-hmm. they're thinking, what is my world going to be in 50, 60 years? Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot of, it's so important. And I think, you know, people who use your view, visual talents are so very intriguing to talk to because you think differently i'm trying to validate that that old cliche that a picture is worth a thousand words oh my goodness i would say so well it's more than a thousand words it's a thousand bytes really because i mean if you your your photos (laughs) there you go i'm giving you all your bites you need for the next (laughs) week (laughs) um but yeah it's your book was uh really intriguing um they were so very colorful and vibrant but you always think about there was a little girl in Germany. <laughs> she mm-hmm. had you um, from Hamburg, right. I believe, and she That's had Greta. Uh-huh. Greta okay, yeah. name for a German little girl. And uh-huh. she had the earphones on, and she's holding her doll, and she's slightly overweight. And it just you know rung to me as like, what else are these kiddos doing during the day? Are they being active? Is it the food mm-hmm. making them tired? Did you talk to them about any other activities? Because I saw one was in a swimsuit, and yeah, I tried to kind of give a little um, you know reflection of their their interests, their hobbies, their, their character through the props mm. that I included in the photographs. So, yeah, so I had a boy in a swimsuit because, you know, he lives in swimming. Sicily and he's swimming all the time. And, you know, and I would choose fabrics to, to arrange the food on that also reflected the culture, you know, as well. So in this, in this case of, of the boy uh, in the swimsuit, he's laying on a background that has, that has sea motifs, you know, seashells and fish and so forth. Yeah, and you had the little turtle or octopus maybe of stuff. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. It was cute. Um, so now that was, so you hear about the parents and they're blaming each other and, you know, right. starting conversations. What about the kids? I mean, were they looking you at know, this I, and going, wow. I think, yeah. I mean, I had, I had kids who were surprised by seeing all the food and goes, did, did I eat that? You know, and he, mm. you know, I, I don't remember. Well, it's in your journal. It's, you know, <laughs> but I, I had an older boy named Isaiah from Los Angeles who um, I think was, was really struck by seeing all the food. And um, he realized that a lot of his weight problem was a result of all the in-between snacking that he was doing. Mm. Um, and mm. so he, he vowed to eliminate all this, all the snacks from his diet. So, um, you know, that's a good point because yeah. everywhere we go, it's like, Oh, they're hungry. Feed them at school, feed them when they get a good grade, you give them a candy or if they're mm-hmm. at soccer, they need more, um, more of a snack. I'm like, actually, I think they'll be okay. Just make sure they're well hydrated. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, true. yeah, I think you're right. We've, um, the culture is, uh, it's, it's scary because um, once someone's diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, it's about 10 years of their lifespan has been reduced. And so it's, okay. yeah. And now our kids are getting type 2 diabetes, you know, 
It, it was unheard of 20 years ago. Well, I know. And, and, and that's why I visited places like the United Arab Emirates, mm. which is a country where diabetes virtually didn't exist, you know, right. two, two generations ago. And now, uh, the, I, in the reading I did, I found that in 2016, there were over 800,000 cases of diabetes. And that's just been in the span of a couple of generations. Right. Absolutely. It's just our diet has been exported around the world. And now everyone else is paying the price with us. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was there one overarching like thing that you would like to share with us? If someone who's maybe considering buying the book, like, cause I know I lay it prominently in our living room. It's actually the only book out um, because I really think it starts the conversations of for people like me, it's so important around food. I've built literally, I think about it daily, how we can help people. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions that's coming from someone who was inspired to do this project to the reader potential look, you know, watching or looking well, at? I, I'm hoping that the book is becomes part of the library of schools and, you know, public libraries. Hmm. I think that that's a great context for talking about the pictures. And in fact, um, I did a residency at a school in Brooklyn this past spring, and I found that the pictures were a great medium for connecting a lot of different disciplines uh, from science and health and uh, journalism and photography and art um, and uh, sociology. Uh, this yeah. is a K through 12 school, so we were able to use the pictures in many different class levels. And in fact, just this morning, the, the coordinator who, who brought me in sent me a, a text showing me a photograph from uh, a class where students were, were using my pictures. These were the, the garbage pictures I did, but they were doing an anthropological analysis of the, the elements, all the stuff that was in those photographs. So, oh, wow. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going off, off track a little bit. But to me, yeah, schools are kind of an ideal context for, for looking at and discussing these pictures. I mean, I think that would be a great, actually, just the class project, right? It's just uh -huh. learning, actually, you could probably teach a whole class around the whole thing. Like you said, so many different elements that you could, a science teacher could use, a home ec yeah. teacher, a health teacher, whomever. Uh -huh. That's and That's the really... first thing that we would do is we would bring the class into the gallery where the, where the pictures are shown, and they, they have, um, you know, large prints on the walls. And we would just say, all right, go stand next to the, to the diet that is most like your own, you know, just as an opening exercise. And kids would go look, you know, look at all the pictures of the food and they go, oh, I'm kind of like that one, but then I kind of like this one too. So, you know, they'd, they'd have a oh, little wow. two diets. and, and Okay. Uh, well, that. That's really good too, because there, have you ever heard of the, have you seen the app called Ate It? No, I haven't. So it's a, it's a free app and I use it a lot with people. Um, so it's basically, they just take pictures of their food. So, because oh. food journals can be very burdensome and inaccurate, oh. um, uh -huh. which I know you had mentioned That's in one of your an extension of what people do on Instagram, anyways. Are we... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they just take photos and it timestamps it and puts a date on it, and okay. it'll tell you the time between. And that's been really helpful because people are always surprised, like you said, the snacking, what the consumption mm. of the amount of food or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, so that's been really a very helpful tool. So if you go into another project like that, it might just be a helpful tool, something like that. I but, just was at a conference in uh, Sweden this past, earlier in the summer, called Eat Stockholm. Hmm. Uh, and people from all over the world come to share ideas about diet, nutrition, and you know, the future of food. Um, and there was a, a young guy who developed an app 
that allows you to scan your grocery receipt and it will tell you what your carbon footprint is based on the foods that you're eating, which I thought was I mean, just remarkable. That is really good. Is that available now? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry that I don't have on the tip of my tongue the name of that app, but no, I can look for it for sure. And do you know, have you, do you know Marco Borges who that is? No, I don't. So Marco Borges is, um, he started 22 days nutrition, but he was a personal trainer for Beyonce <laughs> and he's a friend of mine and he wrote a book just recently called green print. So okay. he's talking about in his book, you know, how eating a diet, one that's healthy uh-huh. is more plant-based, right? And the one that is also easy on the, you know, your carbon footprint and really yeah. helps, you know, with that direction. So his audience is trying to get these young people, um, my kids and your kids' ages, um, to really pay attention in whatever levers we need to pull to help them make better choices for themselves mm-hmm. on the earth. So it's a really cool book. It's um, I'll look for that. Green Print. Yeah, Green absolutely. Print. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a great book name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Is there any last um, words of advice you'd like to give us before we close? Because I know I went over a little bit on the time we had. That's okay. Um, I, I think we covered quite a bit. I, I okay. think I'm, I'm happy with what we've discussed. So. Awesome. Well, I sure appreciate your time. And I, I think it's just such a unique project and it was just there's so you know your imagination just goes wild and i just really really yeah, hope I'm people so will buy this <laughs> resonated Lori. absolutely so we'll definitely um share this and i'll have it up hopefully by the end of the weekend and everyone please check out his book and leave an leave an amazon review because you're gonna love it and um thank you again for your time thank you appreciate it all right see ya